live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studio. It's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. We help people build wealth, do work that they really love, and create actual amazing relationships. Christina Ellis, number one best-selling author, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today as we answer your questions about your life and your money. The call is free, and some say the advice is worth exactly what you pay for it. The phone number is 888-825-5225. That's 888-825-5225. We're going to start off with Scott this hour in Fort Lauderdale. Hey, Scott, how are you? I'm good, Dave. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? So I work for a uh, for a company that I get ten percent of my salary, the ability to purchase company stock. Um, the stock has been very very fruitful over the ten years that I've worked for the company. Um, the way our our stock purchase works is that we get to purchase the ten percent of our salary twice a year in a six month period, at fifteen percent below the lowest point in that six month period. So the 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 sometimes when I get these the stock at the six months, it can be forty, fifty dollars a share better than the market value at the time. When I I read Baby Steps Millionaire and the Money Makeover, you talk more about putting your retirement into mutual funds. I've kind of considered that ten percent as being my part of my retirement. Of I take sixteen percent out of my total salary with 6% in a 401k that, that my company matches. And then the other 10% is in company stock. Um, and the stock has done nothing but gain in the, in the nine years that I've been there and it, it's some big jumps as well. So do I leave that in there and consider that, that still 10% of my retirement or do I switch it? Like you talk about in the money makeover to mutual funds. Well, congratulations. Sounds like you've hit a home run, man. Uh, it feels kind of good. And so, um, yeah, the, your theory has not been stress tested yet. <laughs> and uh, that'll come along. Okay. First, let me give you a couple observations first. Uh, number one, your company stock purchase plan is no different than most of them. They're almost okay. all exactly what you described. 15% below, lowest of the six-month average, whatever. Okay. Uh, and so it's not like you're getting some huge discount that other people that have a, that work for a publicly traded company with stock options don't get. It's almost always exactly what you outline. Very, very similar, if not. So uh, it's good, but it's not the biggest deal. In most cases, okay. if you look at a 52-week high, 52-week low on the charts, you will see a move of uh, most stocks more than 15% up or down. And so that 15% discount can, as you said, cause, because it's down, cause a, uh, a great purchase price, but it also can cause, um, you know, it can evaporate in about an eye blink uh, because, okay. just because of the normal volatility of stock. Uh, observation number one. Observation number two, single stocks are more risky than mutual funds. Okay. Period. No exceptions. Because... Okay. You're, you're violating the diversification rule of, you know, you got all your eggs in one basket, or at least that number of eggs are all in that one basket. Um, and okay. so it's just, you're taking more risk, even though you've had the benefit of this company doing very well. It's gone up, gone up, gone up. I'm happy for you. I'm glad it went up. I don't want you to have hard times. Uh, but uh, 
but that can sh- that can gloss over the fact that you're taking risk because you haven't had a loss. You've not anything that scared you that woke you up and went, oh, this is risky. So what we tell folks to do, our, our standard rule of thumb is uh, don't put more than 10% of your net worth in single stocks. And you currently okay. have more than that with the formula you're giving me. Okay. Okay. So the example of that always comes back to my mind was many years ago I was coaching a, a lady that had worked for Procter & Gamble, which is a fine company. She had $800,000 in her 401k. It was all in company stock. It went in half the year she retired. So I don't, none of my 401k is in, I work for Apple, is, is in Apple stock. The oh, stock Jesus. that's a wonderful is, stock, yeah. The, the stock purchase is a total separate deal. And to be honest with you, Dave, I, I haven't, um, I, I'm recently divorced a couple of years and I was um, lucky to get out and be debt free. And, you know, I, I never really read your books because I never had any, I didn't have any debt. But after watching you with Robert Morris, I, uh, I I downloaded the first book and then went to the second book and well, it really you. motivated me to kind of get my act together. Yeah. Uh, I'm well, you're, so, so I, Ecclesiastes says, spread your portions to seven, yes to eight, for disaster may come upon the land. And okay. Apple is about as, uh, it's about as wonderful a single stock story as there is on the planet. Yeah. Yeah, it's doubled. It's, it's yeah. doubled. Yeah, it's crazy. Over the it's wonderful. I did have to get rid of some of it. They have more money in, than in Egypt. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> I don't know what. They actually have more cash than Egypt. It's an incredible company. <laughs> hey, you mentioned you read the first two books and that you originally had kind of stayed away because you weren't in debt, but I recommend you pick up uh, Baby Step Millionaires. Maybe he did. Can... That's what he's talking about. Oh, perfect. Oh, I did. I did. I read. No, I read both of the books. I've actually listened to probably, probably three times each. Well, thank you. Um, so the the whole um, question you, is, do you how much risk do you want to take? And and I think we can all stand up and cheer and say Apple has done a wonderful job. Of all the single stocks out there, it's the one that might be the most tempting. It is an unbelievable story. Uh, but I still, I, I'm just risk averse enough to say, okay, I'm going with the scripture says spread my portions to seven, yes to eight. I don't want my whole deal on one company. And you don't have your whole deal, but you got a lot of it. And so I'm probably going to be a little less Apple prone if I'm you. If I was ever going to do what you're doing, it would be that company. Oh, my God, it's wonderful. Okay. So, you know, if you want to keep doing it, keep doing it. I just want you to hear, I want you to feel that you're, you're violating the diversification principle, and that does nothing but increase risk inherently in that. One bad iPhone launch, one bad lawsuit over a tablet or whatever i don't know what can happen i mean (laughs) i have no idea what can happen but you know it's they get cancel cultured i don't know i don't know how this works but whatever it is i just don't want it's not in your control you're one of a bazillion employees you don't control this stock and so i i i wouldn't be as heavy in it as you are but i will acquiesce and say if i was ever going to be <laughs> good lord there you know the 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 financial number regardless of what you think of the products or the people or anything else the financials on that company are blistering good yeah that's a great position to be in it's good crazy company. yeah it's crazy how much cash they have it's mind-blowing but yeah but aside from that i still well, I mean, just, I, I'm sitting here saying how much I'm a fanboy of their stock, and I don't own a single share. That says I follow the principles. 
I don't buy single stocks at all. And if I was going to, it wouldn't be more than 10% of my net worth. Don't it? Just, you can do what you want to do, but I, I'm not doing it. Thanks for the call. This is The Ramsey Show. With more frequency than you know, I get calls and emails from people dealing with the recent loss of a spouse or a parent. You can hear the struggle and the heartache they've been experiencing. And at a time they should be grieving, what breaks my heart the most is the strain and tension they're going through because of money, especially when it's a situation that could have been avoided. If you have a family, it is your responsibility to have term life insurance. It is one of the things you do to show you care. And yes, this is an ad for Xander Insurance. But since this is one of the most effective ways I have to get my point across, so be it. For over 25 years, I've been telling you about the importance of term life insurance and protecting your family. Listen, you need to check out Xander.com or call them at 800-356-4282. I can't say it enough. Protect your family. It's what you're supposed to do. Go to Xander.com or call 800-356-4282. 82. Christina Ellis, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author, is my co-host today as we answer your questions about your wealth, your work that you love, and actual amazing relationships. Mike is with us in Philly. Hey, Mike, welcome to The Ramsey Show. Thanks, Dave. Uh, happy that you took my phone call, and uh, thanks for giving me the tools to really change my life. I really appreciate it. I'm honored. How can I help? So I'm on baby steps four, five, and six, and ever since I paid off my debt and got my full emergency fund, um, I, I'm saving up for a house, but the last six months I've been going over budget and I just feel like I sort of lost that gazelle intensity, um, regarding my budget and expenses. And I just wanted to know if you had any tips to help me sort of get back on track. Hmm. Mike, what, what motivates you to succeed financially? What gets you excited? whenever you think about saving and money? Um, I, I don't know. I guess just the idea of living free and being able to do what I want. I mean, I was under so much pressure from debt for so long and so like such a big part of my life that like this, it's this sense of freedom that's been really my, you know, I guess, my passion or my, uh, uh, it, yeah. it's, I just how, like being, how old are you? you know Mike? what I mean? I'm 37. What do you do for a living? I work in philanthropy. So you're a development guy? Uh, yes. Okay, cool. Um, well, one thing, one clarification, once you're in baby steps four, five, and six, we don't teach gazelle intensity. We say move from intensity to intentionality. 
But even that you're violating because you're going over budget. You're not being intentional because you're not doing with your money. Your money's not doing what you want it to do because you're goofing up. That's what you're telling me. So even that you're not being intentional because you're not living on your budget so that you can uh, uh, buy the house, right? Now, is your budget too tight? Uh, it probably is. Are you single? Um, yes. Are you a saver or a spender by nature? I used to be a spender, but I think I've become a bit of a saver. Except that so part still, where you I, fell off the budget and didn't save. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm still, I, I, you know, to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm still putting money into my retirement account. Uh, that's just. You should be. From my, yeah, you should. Well, that's yeah, so okay that's, if you do. If you want to do that while you're saving for the house, that's not. That's okay. Sometimes, baby, at baby step three B, people stop their retirement, and sometimes they keep retirement going while they're saving for a house. Either one's okay. Not, nothing is violated there. You're more asking about motivation. So, if your budget is reasonable for you to live on, you're not having to strain and hold your breath like you were back in baby steps one through three. Instead, you're just in a, you went from a sprint to now you're in a marathon. You feel the difference? Yeah. And if yeah. in that cadence, that rhythm, your budget is reasonable, then you've got to start asking yourself, okay, what do I want more? This donut or this, or, or, or these eight pounds that this donut's going to put on me? These are questions I ask myself every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, it's like, like I saw a bumper sticker one time that said, nothing tastes as good as it feels to be thin. Yeah. You know, I might argue that, but that's a good bumper sticker. So, you know, um, but the, uh, uh, you know, the, you know, is it worth it to not do that thing that's a budget buster in order to get your house? Yeah. You probably Budget need vacations. to get like pictures of houses that you like and put them on your refrigerator. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. Kind of get like a that. visual in front of you that's punching you in the nose ever so often, and you're going, wait a minute. I've already spent my restaurant budget. If I go out to eat three more times this week and screw around with this money, I'm not ever getting a house. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is it's so important to have your why be clear. Like, you need to know why you're fighting, why you're saving, why you're budgeting. Um, I love that you're in philanthropy and you're already a giving person. One of the huge motivations of getting to baby step seven is so that you can give and live like no one else. So like Dave said, said, get a picture of the house that you want. Get Take some time by yourself and just think through, you know, why am I doing this? What is inspiring to me whenever I reach baby step seven, when I have that paid for house? You know, what can I do with that money? How can I give back? What charities now, are you excited about? The other thing that helps um, most of us is to have community around us while we're trying to be accountable and to be encouraged. Mm-hmm and to have, have some people in our lives. And so if, have you been through Financial Peace University? I have not. Okay. I'm going to put you through that and get you into some of those groups and let those, and just tell those groups, you need to be real with a group and go, hey, group, y'all got to hold me accountable because you're going to be, you know, the good news is you're single and you don't have to convince somebody else to do this. The bad news is there's nobody ragging on you if you mess it up. Yeah. And so, uh, but you, so you need some people in your corner that are calling you out and reminding you what's real and what's important because you already know all this stuff. You're obviously a bright guy. You know how to do this. So, um, pretty cool, man. I think you're going to be fine. The good news is you actually had a budget that said, wait a minute, you're off the, you're off the path. You hit the guardrail, get back in the lane. 
it's telling you, right? It's screaming at you. And that's, you didn't even have that before. So now the numbers hold you accountable. They wake you up and go, wait, 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 wait. Rick is in Springfield, Missouri. Hey, Rick, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Kelly. How can we help? Oh, man, I just inherited a million dollars from my mom. I'm disabled, and I don't know what to do. I'm married. I got two special needs kids. Um, I get like $1,100 a month in disability check. And now with all this money coming, I need help so that it's not just poof up in smoke. Wow. I need to invest it so that my wife has How old residual are you? income. I'm going to be 50 this year. Wow. What's the nature of your disability, sir? A car accident. I got caught up in a 45-car pileup. Yeah, but I mean, what happened to you? Oh, I had an out-of-body experience. No, I mean, in the I mean accident. what is the what is your disability? Your disability. Um, the union told me that I'm not able to perform my duties. I used to get down in a 40, 50 foot hole, and now I feel like the walls were going to cave in on me, so I wasn't able to do my job. I guess paranoia of my job. So anxiety, uh, yeah, from the wreck PTSD and so forth. Is what what they said I had. Okay, that's fair. How long ago was that? Back in 2008. Okay. Is there? Have you ever tried to do anything else? I don't like leaving my house in today's society. <laughs> Me neither. But <laughs> uh, I get you. But uh, um, okay. Does your wife work outside the home? No, she's a home goddess. She stays at home and takes care of the kids. Mm-hmm. And y'all make it on eleven hundred bucks a month, huh? Super budgeting. Wow. Okay. I'm- well, the million dollars, like you said, could go poof, and I appreciate your fear about that. And the way to keep you from doing that is to put some folks in your corner to teach you not to do it for you. Correct. I do not want you going and doing something because I said to do it or someone else said to do it. The job yeah, of the people in your corner is to, in they need to have the, the heart. market, and I'm scared no, of that. It's okay. Hey, if you're in the stock market, I don't care if you're there. That's, that's where my, my personal retirement is in the stock market in my 401k. I'm not worried about that. What I am worried about is you putting money in something that you don't understand and that someone else told you to do it, and you're at, you know, then, then, that, then the money's gone, and you're a victim of that. I don't want you to be a victim. I want you to be a victor. Thank you. So you are in control. You make the decisions. You sit down with someone. If you want to talk to someone that does investing the way we teach here on the air, you can click SmartVestor at Ramsey Solutions. It'll connect you up with brokers that do mutual fund investing the way I personally do it, and you can begin to learn about it. If you're scared of the stock market right now, that's reasonable. But, um, you know, you can't be scared of everything and have this million dollars make any money. It's going to have to make a little bit of money on something. And putting it in a uh, coffee can and burying it in the backyard. We don't even have coffee cans anymore. Putting it in something and burying it in the backyard um, is a bad idea. That's going to cost you $100,000 a year. So you need to have a little bit of courage, but your courage is going to come from knowledge, not being rash or being a gambler. You learn about buying a house before you buy a house, and then you don't make a mistake buying a house. This is the Ramsey Show.
Christina Ellis, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author, is my co-host. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Thank you for joining us, America. Amy's with us in Dallas, Texas. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm great, Mr. Ramsey. How are you doing? Better than I deserve. What's up? Um, I just—I think it's a quick question. Um, I know you stress mutual funds, but I was just curious um, if I have research and both have a proven track record of you know ten to twelve percent growth over the long haul. Does it matter if I choose an ETF or a mutual fund? Really? No, I do about the same thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing you don't want to get into, and a lot if you're reading about ETFs and you go down the rabbit hole on one of these stupid Reddit threads or something like that, then you may find people using ETFs to do to try to time the market and jump in and out. Never, never gone on Reddit my whole life. So. Good. That's a, that's a wise thing. Uh, I don't go. I, I haven't gone back in a long time, but um, my team tells me from time to time stuff that's going on. And uh, but yeah, it's like reading the comments after an article. You understand why some species eat their young. And so, um, but the uh, uh, dumbest humans on the planet. But yeah, the uh, anyway, the ETF. If you go, if you get off, I'll use another one. If you go off on one of these stupid TikTok things or something like that, so where you're getting all this financial advice from goobs who are trying to figure out some get rich quick thing. Okay, don't use an ETF that way. If you're simply using right. it like a mutual fund, it basically is a mutual fund. It's kind of how it acts. Okay, great. I mean, it's very, very, very similar. Would you agree with what you've learned about it? Yes, I, I think I was mainly going for a more efficient tax thing, so I didn't have to, like, plan for the mutual fund less tax efficient. That's, that's what I was going for. So you've but maxed yeah. out all your retirement? Yes, sir. Excellent. And you're 100% debt-free house and everything? Yes, sir. Way to go. How old are you? Uh, 33. Husband's 32. Ding! Woohoo! Yeah, the ETF will give you the same benefit on the tax efficiency that like a, a, an S&P 500 would, an index okay. fund. If you buy a low turnover mutual fund, you know that, that means they don't sell the stocks right. inside of it very often, has a low turnover ratio. That's what I do in your situation, baby step, post baby step seven stuff. You're 100% out of debt, 100% maxed out on retirement. Now, where can I put some money and not get my butt taxed off, right? Exactly. And and exactly. so the, the ETF will let it sit there, and basically it's capital gains growth, a low turnover mutual fund, like an index 500 would, SP 500 would. It's a basically capital gains growth, so you don't pay taxes on it until you cash it. And if you've held it a year and cash it, then you're going to be taxes, taxed at capital gains rate rather than full ordinary income rate. So it's very tax efficient. I love them for that purpose. Yeah, in your setting, super, super, yes. But just don't want everybody else out there listening. I got 22 million listeners thinking, oh, I can buy and sell, and I'm going to jump in the market and out of the market and use the ETF to do it, which is a lot of times when you hear people doing these stupid Motley Fool articles or something like that that don't know what they're doing. They're teaching you to do that kind of stuff. Timing the market is bad. But ETFs in general, I don't have any issue with them. So I'm super impressed. 33 years old. Killed baby it. Baby step seven. Mic drop. I love it. I'm hung on that. I'm like, that's just fantastic. You go, girl. <laughs> Abigail's with us in Rapid City, South Dakota. Hey, Abigail. What's up? Hi. It might be a little windy where I am. I am currently working and I'm outside. But um, my boyfriend and I are looking to move in together and we can't agree on whether to rent an apartment or buy a house together. Um, buying a house together without being married just doesn't seem right to me and I'm looking for some advice. Well, I think you're definitely on the right track with that. I would not recommend buying a house with somebody you're not married to. That can open up so many doors to 
complications. Um, what's your kind of timeline for wanting to make a move? Um, within three to six months. Okay. What's your? How, how old are you guys? Um, we're twenty and twenty-two. Twenty and twenty-two. Okay. If you're willing to talk about buying a house, and you're willing to move in together, why aren't you willing to get married? Um, we're we're young yet. Um, we are high school sweethearts. So young people get married all the time. Yeah, I know, and we've been talking about it. I think we'll probably get married within a year or two. Or we're, uh, I'm calling because we're going to have a serious conversation this weekend because um, I want to get forward with our our plan of when we're going to get married and how much the wedding should be, possibly. So. Yeah. Okay, so um, you you called asking advice about the house and about the whole situation. I'm going to give you more than you ask for. Okay. Okay. There was a, uh, the Brookings Institute did a study that said in America, if you do three things, your probability to avoid poverty is statistically astronomical. In other words, the likelihood of being in poverty, if you avoid these three things is very, very high. Marry before you have a kid, have your first child after age 20 and get married before you live together. That's a statistical analysis. Okay? And um, the chances of divorce for people that live together before they get married are four times higher than people who get married before living together. Statistical evidence. Hmm. Interesting. So if uh, my youngest is 30, uh, when they were in their 20s, if we had had been having this conversation, I would say, why do you think you can beat the odds? There must be some reason behind all of this. There must be some reason behind all this. So if Bubba is willing to sleep with you and buy a house with you, he should be willing to marry you. Mm-hmm. That's my dad talking. All right. Okay. See, I told you it was getting more mm-hmm. than you looked for. <laughs> no, no, and you know no, what, Abigail? Was, it's not because I'm trying to make you mad. It's because I, it. I care about you, kiddo, and I want you to win. And you no, called here looking yeah. out a win. Yep, I did. Yep. So thank you. So don't buy a house, for God's sakes, with somebody you're not married to. Because when you break up, it's very, very difficult. When somebody dies or becomes disabled, it's very, very difficult. When yeah, someone gets on thought. drugs, thought, it's very, very difficult. Yeah, I thought just like even applying for a loan when we're not married would be complicated, and I just didn't want to do that. And also, we're just dating. I didn't want to have to deal with the burden of homeownership. Yeah, so. agreed, agreed. So, yeah, rent for sure. Uh, and uh, But you need to consider these other statistics as well. Uh, I kind of got the vibe you're not, but um, that's okay. It's my job to tell you. It's your job to decide what you're going to do. You're like a grown-up and stuff. Well, and you have a few days to think about it. Like, really take some time, think about it, pray about it, evaluate before you have this conversation, get your own emotions settled. Because, I mean, I think you do have an opportunity to really have some of those harder conversations about where's this relationship going, what's the timeline, and it sounds like, you know, you guys have at least the ability to have the conversation. So if that conversation's happening this weekend, you know, just take some time before it happens to 
consider what Dave said and see if there's a more wise way to approach it. Yeah. Uh, if you're serious enough to make all these big life decisions, then you're serious enough to make a big life decision. So well, how old were you when you got married? 23. 23. I was 22. Yeah. So young people get married all the time. Mm-hmm. And you've been married how long? 10 years. And I got 40. <laughs> That's amazing. So, you know, it, it works. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, it, there you go. Well, in successful marriages, they're built on those hard conversations, like being willing to have those hard conversations about, yeah, maybe he wants to move in with you or he wants to wait longer to be married. Well, but then you have to have your boundaries as well. The part of your brain you're using to make a permanent commitment when you buy a house is a pretty similar part of your brain that you use to make a permanent commitment when you decide to get married. Because once you're in the house deal, I mean, you, you got the you got the brand on your forehead. You know, I mean, you're there. And, and you, you're, you're stuck in this deal. And so um, it's a very, very similar set of critical thinking skills that get you there. Now, I know you're in love, and I know all this, and I, I know he's very persuasive. Um <laughs> Well, especially yeah. if you're buying a house, too. Like, you're signing on a dotted line for that as well. That's, that's pretty intimidating if you're not oh, yeah, I, married. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to get out of either one, <laughs> marriage or house owning ownership. It, and both are messy. So, yeah, you need to be really sure what we're doing here with permanent decisions, long-term decisions. This is The Ramsey Show. Christina Ellis, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today here on The Ramsey Show. I am Dave Ramsey. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Amy is with us in Dallas, Texas. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm doing well, Mr. Ramsey. How are you, sir? Better than we deserve. What's up? Um, I just have a quick question. I'm pretty sure I know the answer because mm-hmm. I'm no stranger to you. Okay. But uh, my husband and I work for a, a large cap company um uh-huh. to be descriptive uh-huh. and over the years we've built up a stock balance through escp options that we've received all those kind of things uh-huh. should i sell it and put into mutual funds what's it all worth? background what's it all yeah. worth <laughs> uh it's worth uh, about seven hundred thousand dollars which is about 30 percent of my net worth i'm maxing out all my retirement already and i'm not in a position where i have to sell it so i'm torn okay so I was coaching a lady with Procter & Gamble about, yeah, that's t- time gets away from me. It must be 25 years ago. And I honestly have no idea what Procter & Gamble stock is doing today. It might be wonderful. But she had 750000 It was her whole nest egg, and she had it all in company stock. She was a P&G employee. Mm-hmm. P&G is a good company, by the way. Again, I have no right. idea about investing in them at all. Uh, but this is just an observation of what happens when you have all your money in company stock or 30% of your net worth in company stock. Um, mm-hmm. It went uh, down 68%, and her mm-hmm. 700000 turned into like 150000 mm-hmm. because she violated the rule of diversification. And um, the, the, the rule of divert- 10%? Yeah, maximum of 10% of your net worth. And the reason for that is if it, all, if it evaporates and became worth zero, you're still okay. You still got 90%. But I don't really want you to lose 
30% of your net worth. And I'm not saying your large cap company is going broke. I'm not predicting that. I doubt they will if they're large cap, honestly. But right. I, I just, I personally wouldn't take that much risk. And you already knew that. You knew I was going to say that, right? <laughs> yes, I had, I had a feeling. Um, I guess I'm torn because it's like, it, it's gone, it has gone down a little bit, but it's. If you had $700,000 in, in, in the middle of a table in cash, would you go buy this stock or would you put it in mutual funds? I, I am still torn on that decision because I'm, you know, it's like, oh, it's low. I, I you would, you would bet thirty percent of your portfolio on one company. I don't know. I don't know. It's, 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 that's why I'm I so do torn. know. That's dumb. <laughs> I was trying to get you to say it, but I'll just say it. Okay. I know. No, don't I do know, that. That's too much of your net worth that you've got at risk in one okay. play, and you're emotionally involved because you work there. You're still impressed with the company. Right. And here's and the weird I, thing: they can be an impressive company, and their stocks still suck. Yeah. I mean, you can still it's like right. them guess, and still think they're good people and still get your head taken off. Okay. Now, I guess second question is, should I sell it all at once or should I space it out over time? Uh, is it doing pretty well right now? It, I mean, it's okay. I mean, I'm still ahead, I guess. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I don't think any really... I don't think anybody in single stock is doing well right now. I, I, don't, I don't think you're going to sell it all at once. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm trying to just get you to sell some of it now. So I think it's probably better for you to ease out of it, as long as you actually do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let you off the hook, though. You do need to get rid of, at least get down to where it's no more than 10% of your net worth. Okay. Yeah. And then if you're just dying to own it, then that's fine. I, I've, I Listen, my net worth several hundred million. I don't have a single, single stock in my portfolio, not one. I don't like the risk. I don't like the risk. Mm -hmm. I yeah, I mean, I guess I'll continue to gain on it because I get it, like, every year as a... Yeah, know, so it's going to build back up. So you really need to cut it down to about 5%. <laughs> right, yeah. So, so you don't have to do this again in two years. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Okay. Spread your portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know when disaster may come upon the land. Ecclesiastes. It's even in the Bible to diversify. Wow. How wild is that? I always say, because you do not know when a pandemic may come up on the <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's just don't. I mean, you can't, you just can't do that. I mean, I don't even want all my money in one type of real estate. I'm a little heavy in these buildings right here, but because uh, I've got, because I own all these buildings and they're worth several hundred million. But, um, we are grateful. <laughs> but, but it's, I'm, I believe I'm okay because I'm the tenant too. But the, but who knows? I mean, see, that's, that could be a problem. But, um, but yeah, you just, you just got to be careful to not, uh, put all your eggs in one basket because some idiots twirl in the basket. I like the way you said, if you had 700000 on the table, what would you do with it? I think that's a good way to kind of disconnect from the fact that it's her company, that she kind of has a bias already because it's where she works. I think that's a good way to kind of separate things. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. She's a player. She's got a high risk tolerance because her thing is, oh, it's going up. She, it's going to be a great investment, you know, and so that's she's got that high risk tolerance thing going, but um, but I've been on the other side of that when I see the thing turn back down. And so um, I, I'm not going to um, to lead you that way. And, and you're right. What happens is even if you're not connected to the emotion of the company, you can be connected to, oh, I, I really believe in this company's stock. I think this, you know, I'm going to buy Apple. I believe it. I don't own any. I don't work for Apple. I own an iPhone is the extent of my investment. But I believe Apple's a great investment. So I'm, I'm now I'm emotionally connected to 
the single stock. And that's probably a great stock if you were going to do one. I don't, I don't pick single stocks. So I can't, don't, don't take my advice on that. I'm using that as an example, but the, um, but, but, uh, you know, you can become connected to it. And what that does is it, it, it makes you say, all right, well, maybe I wouldn't put it all in there. Then why are you? Cause it's the same transaction. And that, that, that sunk cost analysis makes you look at it that way. Leland is in Phoenix. Hi, Leland. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Great. How can I help? So, um, uh, current officer, uh, Lieutenant, and I, uh, I'm in the middle of selling a rental house that I own free and clear. It's in escrow right now. I plan on getting around 205 and then whatever they take from it. Cool. Um, so I'm sitting at my current debt right now. I owe 17 on cars and 90 on a house. Um, and I'll be completely debt free. Okay. But I'm, I also own land that I plan on building mm-hmm. and retiring on. So when, uh, the land, the land's free and clear. When will you and build? I plan on, well, that's my question. I'm going to retire in about 10 years. I want to start building within the next five. It takes you five years to build a house. Well, you know, I got to get the subdivision and everything. It's not going to take me that long, but it's about a five-hour trip back and forth. And I have family that can do it, but I want to at least start the foundation within five years so that I be, it will be done within like two years of my retirement. Dude, you are a planner. That's absurd. You do not need to start. You don't need to build a house for five years. It'll be rotted by the time you get it under roof. No. You need, okay. You need to build a house in 12 months, really. I mean... What, unless you're building some okay. gargantuan thing or something, then you're not. So, yeah. But no, you do need to save some money and keep planning and moving in that direction. So you're going to be debt-free, and you're going to invest the rest of the money in, like, a mutual fund to get ready to build on this property in uh, seven or eight years, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That was my question. Do I put it all towards the mutual fund? Yeah. Or do I... You don't need it for seven or eight years. on the debt that I have? No, you pay off all the debt you have. You're 100% debt-free. Okay. And then that's going to, do you have, how much, what's your tax bill going to be on this thing? That I have no idea. You got to, you got to set that money aside too. Yeah. So pay off, pay off your house, pay off your car, get on a budget, never borrow money again. Raise your right hand. I'll never borrow money again. I'll never borrow money again. Okay. And then you got to pay your taxes. And it sounds to me like you're going to have like 70 grand left over to put in a mutual fund towards your house. Okay. And that's, that's, I'll throw it in a mutual fund and call it a day. Should I throw it in my 457 that I already have going? Nope. nope. Or should I be pulling nope. all you that can, out? You can't. A 457 is deferred comp, and this is not comp. You can't. Okay. You can't. You so can't. It has to run through your work. In to an do IRA. That. Yeah. You don't even need to put it in an IRA. Just put it in a mutual fund. Get in touch with one of our smart investor pros because you're just parking it for seven years. How old are you? 39. Okay. And you're in the military, right? No, no, no. Uh, correction. Oh, okay. You said lieutenant. You get you threw me. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, yeah. You're you're good. You got plenty of time. No, you don't want that in a mutual. I mean, you just want it in a mutual fund, not in a retirement account. So. And in all your planning, I think it'd be awesome if part of that plan is building that house with cash. To set that as part of your goal is building that house five years from now. Seven years cash. from now. Seven years from now with cash. <laughs> We're not doing that. This is the Ramsey Show. you've been inspired to make a change with your money? Want to know where to start? Take our three-minute money quiz to get a plan you can follow. 
Go to RamseySolutions.com and search for Get Started to get a plan for your money.